In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Testing down. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit that's going on in the news, explained by your two funniest friends. Jesus. Great. I'm you not even going to int- say what we're talking about. Huh? Yeah, that I- intro was very like sports and entry, and we are the. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it good. depends. Uh, it depends on how many commercial voiceover auditions I recorded in the morning. How <laughs> I will perform the intro when we do it in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, how are you? How how have you been? How have you been faring? You know what? Honestly. I have actually hit sort of an upturn in my quarantine, and I feel like I've been making the COVID life work for me as of the mm-hmm. last, like, two weeks. Oh, that's Started good. working out on my porch, getting a little sun. Mm-hmm. I rode a city bike. Oh, nice. I've been city biking as my form of exercise. But I'm also, like, I'm in a similar, like, I, I am less feeling like the the weight of COVID maybe because we're more used to it but also like I feel extremely extremely like busy and stressed out all the time about like other things like yeah like election obviously but like I'm moving um we have a lot of like like projects going on with the election coming up so I'm just like I'm like I'm too stressed and busy to feel anxious about coronavirus yeah (laughs) Yeah. about the existential threat of coronavirus it's like I'm dealing with actually other threats I do feel like my election anxiety has overtaken my pandemic anxiety yeah yeah exactly they're related related. because then I'm like well he he can't do anything until January anyways if he gets elected so it's like I don't know I know I know and I mean between November and January, we are going to be dealing with, at the very least, mm-hmm. a president who is ha- is pitching a fit I for know. two months. And what does that what does that mean? You know, because I know this, this yeah. is what I keep thinking is like I maybe I've said this on the podcast before. I've definitely said it in conversation to my dad before, but. <laughs> Donald Trump is the guy who like gets kicked out of the party and then starts like smashing shit on the way out just to like, (laughs) just to ruin everything. So, so I'm like, even if we're like, obviously I have worse fears about him not stepping down and all that stuff, but let's say Joe Biden wins and he is, he agrees to leave. (laughs) (laughs) He's still president for two months and he's going to be a dick the entire time. Mm -hmm. There's no way that he's not like, well, actually, like, uh, I'm actually going to paint the White House red. Yeah, I he's going to, like, remodel it really quickly or something. Ugly or like, and, like, 
pass a bunch of bullshit law executive orders. I know. I was talking to someone about this and I was like, they were like, I was, I was like, either way, it's like, everyone's like, oh, I can't wait for the election to be over. And I was like, yes and no. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, it's going to be really bad either way. Trump loses. He's going to like do some crazy, crazy shit. And we're going to be yeah. like, oh my God, what the fuck are we do? Or it's going to be two months Trump of like- wins, we're going to be like, oh, no, he won again. So either way, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, like, if he, obviously, we want him to lose, and there's a light at the end of that tunnel, assuming that Joe Biden is inaugurated on January 20th, then we've reached a much better position than we're in now. But the November to January switch, I'm very nervous about. He's like, he'll probably do a bunch of crazy pardons. He'll be like, I pardon mm-hmm. Ghislaine Maxwell. Fuck all y'all. I don't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I know. Like he, like that's what HW did when he lost in 92. He like, um, in December, like he basically pardoned all those people for like the Iran Contra stuff, like a secretary of defense, because they were going to testify against him and basically implicate yeah. him that he was a criminal. W did the same thing. He pardoned Scooter Libby and like a bunch of like fucking like financial crimes people and Iraq Mm -hmm. crimes people. And he was like, I just think they're not, I just think they're innocent. So yeah, (laughs) I don't know why I think that, but I just do. Yeah. Uh, Should we get into the actual news? Cause it actually relates to exactly what we're talking about. It does. It does. (laughs) So today uh, we are starting with a little bit of breaking news. Steve Bannon, if you remember uh, that demon from season one of this whole thing. Uh, Steve Bannon is in federal custody after being indicted for fraud in relation to raising $25 million for a fund to construct the border wall. Uh, President Trump's former top advisor and three other defendants, according to this uh, indictment, defrauded hundreds of thousands of donors capitalizing on their interest in funding a border wall to raise millions of dollars under the false pretense that all the money would be spent on construction. This is according to the U.S. attorney in Manhattan. Bannon was arrested on his Connecticut boat Mm -hmm. by, are you ready for it? Mm -hmm. He was arrested by the United States Postal Service. Who knew that was a thing? Uh, I literally had no idea, but U.S. has a criminal investigation arm. They went to Bannon's boat. They arrested him. If we did not need a reason to save the USPS before. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Well, apparently it wasn't his boat, but like, how did they know he where he was? That just confused me. But- the mail, baby. <laughs> <laughs> This is why we need them functional so that they can be like, Steve Bannon's getting mail. Yeah, Yeah, I know. So this is, this is Trump's second campaign chairman to be arrested. Um, and this, this also comes off the heels of the big NRA, um, indictment or, you know, coming out of New York as well. So I'm like, yes, you know, know. let's, let's do it. The Southern District of New York stays busy, baby. They are yeah. working. They're investigating. So all of these these men basically claim that all of the funds they were raising would go to building the border wall. And they would not take any of it for personal use or compensation for themselves. Bannon alone took at least $1 million of the fund to pay off his personal expenses. This is 
again, basically what the NRA did also. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the other men involved intentionally concealed these transfers by routing them through additional nonprofits and shell companies. So good for all of them and good for all the dumbass people who donated to build the border wall on GoFundMe and thought that it would go to the border wall. I it, like morons. part of like part of me is like like yeah, you morons, like but also I'm like these poor people have been failed by like I don't even know. Like they're giving <laughs> all their money to the NRA and to Steve Bannon and they're just like haha losers like they're being lifted and they don't even know it's also like these fucking people wanted this damn border wall so bad and then (laughs) in Mexico they were like Mexico's like we're not paying for it then they decided okay we'll pay for it ourselves and now we still don't even really have we've got part of one and it like blew over in the wind no, and like your tax dollars is already paying for it, so you're paying even like double. Yeah, you're paying double for this stupid thing that keeps breaking. I saw like the latest was that like some private contractor was like, "I'll make some of the border wall," and it like immediately eroded, and they're like, "Yeah, it's gonna fall down in like a year." I know, and it's like it's it's just so silly, and it's you know it's interesting how. Trump doesn't talk about his border wall anymore. I'm glad that this is bringing it back into the zeitgeist, you know? Like, maybe right. it's like, I would love, like, they should, the Democrats can totally campaign off of Steve Bannon being arrested and being like, oh, by the way, remember that border wall that Mexico was supposed to pay for? You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't really understand, I mean, I don't understand any of the mental gymnastics of it, but the Mexico will pay for the wall thing. I don't understand how that just goes unaddressed. Yeah. <laughs> so. so speaking of Democrats, should we get into the Democratic National Convention? Yes. So it was ladies' night. Uh, the Last night was hosted by Kerry Washington, who, uh, by the way, did an amazing job. All of the hosts have been incredible, gorgeous, mm-hmm. looked mm-hmm. amazing. Really good job on all the hosting. I have to say, I did not care for Kerry Washington's performance in um, Little Fires Everywhere. Something I about it, I, I, something about it, I just like, I thought like, okay. But I was like, oh, she has a, she's very good at this as well. I mean, I've seen her in other places where I've loved her, but I was like, this is what you did. This is your best work this year for me. Um, yeah. I read the book Little so, Fires Everywhere and it was really good. Anyway, let's get talk about the convention. <laughs> <laughs> so there were speeches from Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, Elizabeth Warren, Gabby Giffords, Kamala Harris, and a keynote from President Barack Obama. And I guess Kamala Harris was like, uh, it was her accepting the nomination. Yes. Um, the programming also focused on issues like immigration, gun reform, domestic violence, and sexual assaults. They showed some a really great archival footage of Biden working to develop the Violence Against Women. And I have to say, the field pieces are great. Yeah, like the- especially last night. Last night was like emotionally gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. Like uh, even if, especially the immigration section. Like to remember that time um and be reminded again of what's going on at our border and when they had that family uh they talked about the other who was deported and they had that family that might be deported i was like oh oh my god and then then we went into a whole violence against women section it was like 
very emotionally, I thought, intense. Which I think was super, super effective, um, highlighting all of Joe Biden. Because he's, he's the one who like, championed that bill in 1992 when he was a senator. And it was, it's, it's still sitting, it hasn't been like, re-upped. Thing. Like it hasn't yeah, been. Yeah, I think there's some. It, its status is not good. Yeah, but, and so and like it, it highlights that that is still something that needs to be worked on. And when you have the, and it's such a, you know, um, you know, opposite to the Trump campaign where like, yes, it's like yay violence against women. Yeah. <laughs> versus the other one, yeah. And you you know I mean the Biden campaign has problems with its outreach to women obviously a lot of behavior by biden has been called into question there are the terror reed allegations to contend mm-hmm. with so you see a convention where they maybe did not go into some of his work because he he worked at again on-campus sexual violence so maybe they like maybe in a previous session you know I've, they've talked about uh on npr a lot but at other conventions, like, people get booed. Like, shit gets rowdy. Uh, you know, people chant things and have to get kicked out. So me in a live convention, they wouldn't have touched on that topic. Uh, mm-hmm. Just out of I, fear, maybe the live convention, they wouldn't have invited a bunch of Republicans to speak because they're going to get booed. Totally, you know? totally. Um, I also, I found the climate change one very effective as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really like I could because I'm I have seen the story about you know fires in California that the one um uh, one was talking about but also I was the farmer got me you know yes. like listening to them speak and I was like wow I hadn't even thought about that the, the, the one young farmer he's like oh I went and studied like our agriculture and we used to have this thing on the farm like, knee high by july and now they're lucky if they even have something in the ground by july i was like holy shit yes and the other farmer talking about how like trump's trade deals with china have like destroyed his livelihood and that he can't make enough money i mean really really all of again yeah like what you said the field pieces were really effective i also felt that there was a gen z appeal that was happening with the <laughs> appearance and performance by Billie Eilish. Love her. She I was love great. it. Mm-hmm. You know what I noticed is she posted both her little speech to vote and her performance on her Instagram today, and she just turned comments right off. She said, no, no. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she was like, yeah. I don't need to know what y'all think of this. Yeah. I'm letting you know that you should fucking vote, and you should vote for Joe Biden, mm-hmm. and... I already know how I feel about that, so I don't need all your little thoughts in my ear. Thank you very much. Totally. I mean, I'll, I'm going to give myself a little Billie Eilish fan time. I love her, but like, but not just for her, the music, but also it's like, if you look like, obviously Taylor Swift is very political now, and but a lot of these young artists, when they first start, they don't even touch this shit. You know what I yeah. mean? And she's like at the height of her career in the beginning. She is, people her age fucking love her. You know what I mean? Yes. And she's like, what, like 60 million followers on Instagram, like some crazy number. And for her to use her influence like this, I'm like, good job. Good job. Yeah. I love- and she, you know, she is in many ways one of the voices of her generation, mm-hmm. for sure. She's going to be like the iconic kind of pop star. Her look, her vibe, the music, all of it is kind of like an 
a distillation of Gen Z's whole thing. And Gen Z is not particularly jazzed on Joe Biden. I think mm -hmm. a lot of them, just as we do, understand that he must be elected and that we must vote for him. But it, so it was, it was taking a risk, political at all, and it's taking a risk to kind of do something that like isn't going to school. It's going, it's not going to score cool points with her fan base to be like you vote for Joe Biden, but like she sees it as important enough to say, and I think the majority of her fan base will recognize why she did it, and it's just really good. And also, I really like that song. Yeah, I really like that song, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the quarantine being alone song, and it's really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else happened? <laughs> yeah. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. Should we just, should we get into some speeches? Yeah, let's get into some speeches. So um, the night kicked off with a really awesome speech by Gabby Giffords. This is the former congresswoman from Arizona who was shot and wounded in a 2011 mass shooting, which forced her to relearn how to speak. I remember that day so vividly when they were like, this congresswoman has been killed and all, or well, at first thought that they'd been killed and then it was, that she had been wounded and she injured. She had been shot in the head. Yeah, she was shot in the 
face by a mass shooter at a rally in Tucson. Uh, This speech at the convention was the longest public speech she has made since she was shot in Tucson. And she said, words once came easily. Today, now I struggle to speak, but I have not lost my voice. America needs all of us to speak out, even when you have to fight to find the words. So really, really powerful. And just as a little note, her husband Mm -hmm. is currently running for Senate against Martha McSally. And if you are in Arizona, I think you should plan to cast your little vote for him. Yeah, he's also a former astronaut, so that's cool too. Come on. I mean, I Come I really on. I really was like I was like I, I you you watch these things and there's so easy to be cynical about politics, which I usually tend to be. But like this is like was really moving. You know what I mean? Like it's like emotional and like oh my god and like perseverance. It's it's really amazing. Watching the convention, I have made I made a choice that I was like, you know what? I'm going to turn off my irony brain for a little bit and I'm just going to let myself get excited and be inspired and be emotionally moved by what I am seeing. And I'm going to be a part of this moment because like literally just as a comedian and as a person who's kind of in the progressive Twitter bubble, it's it like it sometimes feels uncool or like, I don't know, dopey of me to be like, I'm inspired by what I'm seeing on my TV screen. But yeah. that is what gets you to phone bank and do all the stuff that you need to do. So mm-hmm. I found the last three nights of the convention inspiring and good. Yeah. Um, and then Nancy Pelosi uh, spoke as well. Yes. <laughs> she had a great montage as it well. It was so she's, good. She's a badass. It really, it was, it had like, it was like an action movie montage. Uh It was Mm -hmm. great. I mean, it made me realize, I was like, say what you will about like, like, I know that progressive people sometimes have problems with her. She like knows how to like legislate and like whip votes, but also like, it's inspiring to think of someone who's like, she's had two completely different lives. You know, she raised a family and then she became a congresswoman after her children were grown. That's crazy. It's also like... Sometimes I'm also like, I'll let my progressive ideals get in the way of like, just because obviously I don't, I, I get annoyed with Nancy on occasion, but she's the first female speaker of the house and that's fucking cool. And like, Mm -hmm. there is something inspirational for women to take from that and from her her rise. And there's something inspirational for us to take about from Hillary Clinton, who, you know, they harped on it last night but put like 18 million cracks in the glass ceiling and sometimes I feel like on the far left like women get their role models and their political idols taken from them because they're not like ideologically perfect and so they become uncool immediately and it's like no I'm inspired by the first female speaker of the house Mm -hmm. I'm inspired by the first woman to win the popular vote and who should be our fucking president right now. Like those yeah. things inspire me, even if they're not politically perfect and I don't agree with every single stance they've ever taken and everything that they've ever done. So Nancy Pelosi used her speech to rip into president Trump and her primary congressional foe, Mitch McConnell, uh, multiple times throughout the speech. She held both men responsible for standing in the way of progress. She said McConnell and Trump 
have been blogging legislation to lower prescription drug prices, rebuild the nation's crumbling infrastructure, and update the Voting Rights Act. She listed all the House bills she sent to the Senate, which, sh- which sit on Mitch McConnell's desk. She said she's witnessed firsthand Donald Trump's disrespect for facts, working families, and for women in particular. Um, yes, I thought it was, it was effective. Yeah, and you know, I have been wanting more people to be talking about Mitch McConnell at these conventions, like, or at the previous convention nights, because, I mean, it's obviously a lot of talk about Donald Trump, and ultimately this is about getting Donald Trump out of there. But I think, like, you know... Mitch McConnell is, is right, right on his right hand and in many mm-hmm. ways is the most, the, his biggest enabler and mm-hmm. has done, and for even longer than Donald Trump, has done an extraordinary amount of damage to this country. An, mm-hmm. an astronomical amount of damage to our democracy, to our social safety net, to our country, to our judiciary. Like, I really think... And I would like to see him getting shit on more at the Democratic National Convention. So I was happy that totally. Nancy, Nancy did that. <laughs> and just like highlighting that in this time right now where, you know, we are currently, there's no relief packages being signed. They are on vacation. The Senate is on vacation and he has the power. He is the one who needs to call them back. Yes. And Nancy Pelosi has called them back. So the House is in session right now. I know. To get shit done, and the Senate is fucking sitting on their hands while people are about to be homeless, can't afford food, can't afford medicine. They're not even getting their medicine in the mail, and they're all on fucking vacation. And that was a, a an inspiring part of last night as well when they had all those people talking about their small businesses and that woman being like, "I opened my clothing boutique in January, and now." nothing like I can't I can't live and then that other woman being like I have a restaurant I have a hundred employees I had to furlough all of them I had two restaurants at the start of this now I only have one I don't know if I'm gonna be able to keep this much longer like that affected me as well yeah so shall we talk about Hillary um yes Hillary did what she was there to do. She scared the shit out of us and reminded us (laughs) (laughs) of the cautionary tale we are all living in. Uh, She reminded voters of just how many of us need to turn out to avoid another Trump victory. She even said, you know, you can still lose the popular vote by three million votes and become president. So... Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the former Secretary of State said that we need an overwhelming whim so that Trump can't steal his way to victory. I mean, it was a good speech, but yeah, it was just like, it was like triggering. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's similar to like what Barack Obama did, which we'll talk about, but it's more of just like, do it! You know, like, what are yeah. you doing? Like, this is like, everything is on the on the line. If you don't vote, you're an idiot, like. Yeah. Yeah, so. and like, like again, we talked we talked about this the other day when, when I was talking about Michelle's speech, but like trying to put the fear of God in you and just being like, hey, remember what happened last time? It can absolutely happen again. Remember how if I was your president, you would not this would not be as bad as it is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you should fucking vote. Um, Elizabeth Warren also spoke. She spoke at length about the challenges facing working families that have been exacerbated by the pandemic. The focus on childcare, she gave it from an elementary school classroom. 
Um, and then she shared how the only way she could pursue a career was because her aunt moved in with her to help her with her children because she talked about how mm-hmm. when she was a teacher and she was trying to raise her kids. She had a really tough time trying to do both. And she started crying to her aunt about it and her aunt came. Basically, mm-hmm. just aunt B. Hi- aunt B. Basically highlighting that no one really can do it all by themselves, which I think is, you know, important to hear because so many times, so many times you hear like success stories or whatever, like, or Donald Trump, like I Mm -hmm. did it all by myself with a small loan of a million dollars. Yeah. Jeff Jeff Bezos's parents, when he was 29, gave him, I think it was like $300,000 or something to start Amazon. Oh, man. You know, like my oh, parents yeah. can't give me three hundred thousand dollars <laughs> yes. unless they pass on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if I'm receiving three hundred thousand dollars from my parents, it's because they have passed away. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> yeah, um, and totally, I think that's important to hear because you know, you, you, you know, no one really makes it on their own. Yeah, that was really great. Um, I thought. Here's my one note. I think if Jill's coming at us from the empty classroom, we really can't come from the empty classroom again. And yeah, I wonder what. Yeah, I wonder if what her alternative would have been. I but know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Where could where could Liz come at she us should've, from? She should have done. The vault of sh- a bank. Yeah. <laughs> she I was going to say in front of Wall Street. And she's like, broken going, into and a bank. Like, <laughs> and then she like hits a button and it demolishes behind her. <laughs> Yeah, she's on that. Bu- she's uh, sitting on that bull. Uh, yeah. The Wall bull. <laughs> Just some notes. I don't know for the future. Uh, she also had, uh, which was cute, the cubbies in the back. She had blocks that said BLM, which I yeah, thought was, was a nice touch. She really, she really is all about the details. She would have been a great president. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I think about every time I see her talk about her. But, you know, moving on. She'd have been a great president. Moving on. The the point of the evening. Senator, now future Vice President Kamala Harris formally accepted the nomination for Vice President by the Democratic Party, becoming the first Black woman and first Asian American woman to do so. Uh, She spoke about the role that race has played in her life, how she witnessed and fought against structural racism. She mentioned George Floyd and Breonna Taylor by name and recognized the efforts of younger generations to push politicians like her to address racism with urgency. One of her most powerful lines was, there is no vaccine for racism. We've got to do the work. Let's actually listen to a clip of her speaking from last night. I have fought for children and survivors of sexual assault. I fought against transnational criminal organizations. I took on the biggest banks and helped take down one of the biggest for-profit colleges. I know a predator when I see one. My mother taught me that service to others gives life purpose and meaning. And oh, how I wish she were here tonight, but I know she's looking down on me from above. I keep thinking about that 25-year-old Indian woman, all of five feet tall, who gave birth to me at Kaiser Hospital in Oakland, California. 
on that day, she probably could have never imagined that I would be standing before you now and speaking these words. I accept your nomination for Vice President of the United States of America. Yeah, wow. that was great. I know. That was great. I, number one, Shamala, her mom, seems like a huge badass. And that one picture that they always show of her with young Kamala and young Maya, she's got on like a cool outfit. Elizabeth Warren's Aunt B and Kamala's mother, Shamala. Mm -hmm. number, <laughs> number two, I couldn't help but notice her shout out her exact hospital and birthplace, which I think was a subtle wink at the dumb birther bullshit that Donald Trump has been trying to pull with her already. She's like, mm -hmm. I was born in Oakland in Kaiser Hospital. Look it up if you even can read, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> totally. What I will say is I really, I, I thought this was a really good, you know, introduction to Kamala Harris for people who otherwise, you know, perhaps did not know her. Because I think a lot of, like, the, the times we see Kamala Harris, like, go viral or we see her in the public is, like, when she is like fucking doing her job and she's doing it really well, you know, she's like um, grilling Bill Barr or Attorney General, um, the Attorney General Bill Barr or like Brett Kavanaugh. And so it's really cool that like um, she talked about like her life. She personalized herself because we also saw, we've also starting to see the right and Republicans and, and Trump attack her on this like, the fact that she doesn't have any natural born children. You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 there's subtle jabs about it. And she's like, yeah. well, I, who knows her story around why she doesn't have any natural children. Maybe she just didn't want any, maybe she wasn't able to, it's none of our business. Let's move on. And yeah. you know, like, and she has a family that's, and it's more, it's more akin to a lot of people's, you know, modern families. Yeah, and it, I actually thought it was really sweet when they had that little intro to her and they had her stepdaughters call her Mamala, the world's greatest stepmom. Like, I was like, that's mm -hmm. fucking sweet. And if that's her, what she wants to do is, like, be a really good stepmom, I think that's fucking cool. Good stepmoms rock. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> who doesn't love, totally. like, a cool stepmom? Come on. Totally. So, um... um yeah, and then uh, I the big uh, the a really really big speech happened last night that I think you know we will be talking about for a long time. Yes, um, was former President Barack Obama's. This was the most like direct attack that we've heard Obama unleash on Trump. He never even called him president. He called him like he maybe said this president, but he always said Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Obama accused Trump of failing to discover some reverence for the democracy that had been placed in his care. He straight up accused him of corruption and abuse of power, saying Trump had no interest in using the awesome power of his office to help anyone but himself and his friends. Pundits this morning are say it's one of the most searing indictments a former president has given a sitting president because there has been this unspoken rule that past presidents will not comment on current presidents, you know, actions, what they do. They just, they just stay out of it. Yeah. Um, and, but 
you know, our democracy is about to fail. Yeah, um, unspoken rules are out the window, actually. We don't, have, yeah, we don't abide re- by those he, anymore. Yeah, when Trump releases his tax returns, which was also an unspoken rule, um, yeah. we will, you know, we'll talk about it. Um, Obama himself said he didn't expect his successor to emulate his policies, but he acknowledged that we are facing something darker. Um, so let's actually just listen to a clip from that speech. I never expected that my successor would embrace my vision or continue my policies. I did hope, for the sake of our country, that Donald Trump might show some interest in taking the job seriously. That he might come to feel the weight of the office and discover some reverence for the democracy that had been placed in his care. But he never did. For close to four years now, he has shown no interest in putting in the work. No interest in finding common ground. No interest in using the awesome power of his office to help anyone but himself and his friends. No interest in treating the presidency as anything but one more reality show that he can use to get the attention he craves. Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job. Because he can't. I mean, yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, it was very a searing diamond. I thought another very, very moving and powerful part of his speech was when he was talking about how all of the struggles our ancestors, our collective ancestors have gone through for the rights to vote and to fight for democracy, how he talked about how, you know, black men used to get pulled out of chairs at sit-ins, they would get lynched. Um, and a lot of it was just to have the right to vote. And like, if anyone had the right to give up democracy and give up on democracy, it was all of the people who fought so hard to get it. Like they didn't, yeah. they didn't, they fought, they didn't give up. And now our current president is saying our democracy doesn't work and it's, and is trying to break it. And because people don't like him, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's fucked up and I thought that was really powerful and I feel like he seemed he even seemed like very like he started to get emotional about it yeah he seemed angry and it was Mm -hmm. like it that was really powerful to me was like to see the anger that he really feels for this man who has disrespected him who's disrespected our country who's disrespected all the things he holds dear like it really came through and it I felt that it was very powerful and I feel like Obama, President Obama, has always avoided getting angry even when he was angry. You know what I mean? He did not have, the, as a black man, he did not really have the luxury of being able to be angry, you know, yes. because it's, you, you, it's, you know, because people will judge him more harshly than they would a white man. And I think that's just a fact. And so I think it's just something that he always avoided. And to see him actually this passionate and, and angry, I think was something like really new. And I think it was like, Oh my God, dad's mad. <laughs> like, yeah. It was like, know? Oh no. Oh no. Like dad's like really mad. Like he's like quiet, yeah. mad. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've never seen him like this before. He's mad. Um, so. Yeah. And I, I, one thing that I thought was just so smart is for him, he comes out there, he calls Donald Trump unserious and knowing that Donald Trump is going to have the most unserious response. He's going to start tweeting in all caps, which he immediately did. Now this morning, he's tweeting about John McCain for some reason. It's like, 
Obama set a trap for him to be like, I'm going to say that you're unpresidential and you're, you don't have control of yourself and that you conduct yourself in an absurd and ridiculous manner. And you're going to respond by underscoring all of those points. Mm-hmm. I love that. I also, one like other thing I wanted to touch on was like how he opened up the speech. Like he gave the speech in Philadelphia where they had signed the constitution and he talked about how this wasn't a perfect document. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's still like the only people who were allowed to vote were white men with property. Um, it still had slavery in the con- in that first draft of the like the Constitution, and it's a working document. The only thing that they are we that uh, the founding fathers have given us is like some semblance of a functioning democracy. And it's like yes, yeah, so like it, 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 that I thought was important because it's you know we are. Democracy, we're constantly working to make it better and nothing is like, and whenever someone claims the constitution as a reason for one thing or the other, it's a red flag, you know, because just because it's like, just it's, it's such an old trope, but like, just because it's law doesn't make it right. And I think that was really important to start off with, you know? Yes. And it was, it was like, he basically said like, yeah, this document wasn't perfect, but embedded in it was something that we can all take and grow into a more perfect union, as they say. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Should that round us out, I think? I think so. All right. Well, until the return of democracy, which will hopefully be sometime next January. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.